3: Rick Tittle. <laughs>
4: Hello again, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. That's me, and uh, that's how I named the show almost uh, 20 years ago. Get it? Titillating? Ah, yeah. it's nothing tawdry or baudry about it. It's just wide-open sports talk. It's general sports talk with Lieutenant Colonel Rick Tittle, and we are here for you. All your sports talk needs... Yes, I said needs. Get on in at the toll-free line, 1-800-878-PLAY. Don't write it down. Just dial it up. 1-800-878-PLAY. We will be able to get you some sports talk. Yeah, that's right. We'll bring it to you, and uh, it'll be delivered at your door. Actually, I heard that uh, some PS5s have been delivered around the USA and the UK from Amazon, and then inside people have found, uh, one guy found a hairdryer, some other people found some dog food. Uh, That's messed up, (laughs) that's really messed up. Imagine that, it says, you know, delivered, how'd we do? And then you look and it's dog food inside the package. (laughs) Because them dirty thieves are putting it out there on the resale market. When I deliver the sports talk, it ain't dog food it's cat food one 800 play big shout out to our brave men and women listening both home and abroad on the american forces radio network you're doing a great job stay safe come home soon we're proud of you keep up the good work the tune in app the iHeart radio app and the stitcher app Playing sports with rick tittle on facebook twitter is at rick tittle emails rick at SportsByline.com as we stream through our homepage, the website byline.com too Bill Madden, the great baseball writer, has a new book on Tom Seaver, a guy who I once hung out with for a night. I told that story. We'll talk about it with uh, Bill. We'll also have Rob Paulson, Animaniacs, and also Karen Lyle joins us in this first hour with Salesforce That comes up in about a half hour. We have three hours together, you and me. Come on back.
2: that's 800 880 7167 Paid for by Airtime Media.
5: Hey travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right. Call. Because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online.
4: Know about genius, that's more your word than mine, even though I made it up. Great to have you with us 1 800 878 Play. You know, social media is it's hard to mock when I have it. You know, if I say, Aha, you're such a little teenager, if you have Twitter, ha ha and then I tweet stuff. So I have to acknowledge that first of all. But uh, just quick email. Um, and this one is from K K A Y. Don't know if I've heard from K before. Pardon me if I don't remember. But anyway, K says, "Rick, why do you tri- why do you change your Twitter picture every five minutes?" A um, little bit of an exaggeration. Like the other day, my friend said, "Oh yeah, I was driving on uh, over by Skaggs Island and not on the water. I saw ten million birds." I go, "How many?" goes, 10 million. I go, okay, well, that's just how we talk, right? He meant a lot of birds, probably hundreds. Uh, So I wouldn't say every five minutes. Uh, I do tend to change it every few weeks or months. Um, But because you said that, I just changed it again. Um, I was wearing one with a mask and mirrored shades. And my old colleague, Joe Fortenbaugh, who... Now is back in Vegas with ESPN. He always used to call them uh, cop shades. He's like, Rick Tittle with the cop shades. He was from Philly. I was like, I guess these are cop shades. Kind of a 70s reference, though. I don't think people really call them cop shades anymore. But anyway, uh, because I get bored is the answer. <clears throat> I get bored, and it usually happens when I'm indisposed, so to speak. Huh? 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 180-87A play. Let's start off with a little Monday night football. Because Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fell to the Los Angeles Rams last night by three points 27 to 24. And Tom Brady's primetime struggles continued with the Bucks. Because now on playing a night look, like whatever top team Tom Brady was going to be on. He could go back to college and play for BYU because he has a year of eligibility left. That's not going to happen. But my point is that game would be at night. Um, <clears throat> and if he was going to play the whole season, half those games would be at night. Because the country and the league wants some Tom Brady. So they played four times. Just think of it, the season is just barely over half over it, And they've already played four night games. And they're one in three. And Tom Brady was uh, very average last night. I'm not going to say he stunk, but he certainly wasn't great. He threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. And that second turnover with, um, you know, right after the two-minute warning when the game ended, that wrapped things up. But Brady apparently was not interested in sticking around to congratulate his opponents. And Brady's post-game handshakes have become quite the topic this season as he appears to only greet the opposing quarterback when he wins. (laughs) But apparently, uh, he'll do it only after a loss if you're Drew Brees. So on Monday, we again saw Brady appear to snub a younger quarterback who you could say had bested him and Brady turned around went straight to the locker room and then it showed uh, Monday Night Football showed Jared Goff kind of wandering around the middle of the field not like looking around for people but you know he's given fist pounds to some dudes and and I don't know what you thought about those the Rams wearing white jerseys and white pants and <clears throat> Whatever, they're gonna, everybody's going to have their third kid. But people look back and they said, huh, when they lost to the Bears, Brady didn't shake hands with Nick Foles. Um, people were digging up some, oh yeah, this is something that seems to be a trend. Now, is this a matter of um, national importance? Not really, but I bring it up because Shannon Sharp took to Twitter after the game and insulted Brady's attitude said, quote, I guess Brady doesn't know golf well enough to shake his hand after losing, yet he knows every QB after he wins. Brady is full of what the elephant left on the showground. His attitude is bull jive, and it's time to call his ass out on it. Wow. Now, when he snubbed Nick Foles this year, he claimed that it was something that didn't cross his mind. Because, you know, Bears fans, they notice, and Brady said, I didn't quote, I didn't even think about it. I think Nick Foles is a hell of a player and a Super Bowl champ, and I don't know one reason or another why I wouldn't do that. Sometimes I've run off of the field. Sometimes I haven't. Sometimes if I have a personal relationship like I have with Drew Brees and Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers over the years, I don't know. I don't think it's anything in particular, but I have great admiration for Nick. And I think that he's a hell of a player. They're off to a great start. That's what he said at the time. And by the way, what relationship could he have with Justin Herbert over the years? Was he up there at Autzen Stadium in Eugene? Maybe he just thinks, hey, <clears throat> tall white guy, just like me. I don't know what it is. Maybe he just likes him. So th- this is what, but like I said, this doesn't really matter one way or another, but <clears throat> this is the kind of stuff that happens when you get to a level like Tom Brady. Th- these are the kind of things that people like me will bring up because we are trying to like take a, a peek into the, the psyche of this guy. We know that he's very competitive. And when you win, being competitive... I found has always been kind of a, a cute thing or something for admiration. Like, you know, Michael Jordan was such a competitive SOB that you couldn't beat him in ping pong or chess or space invaders, whatever the hell they were playing. He had to win. And what does that, what do that people say? Oh my gosh, the heart of a champion. Now, If Michael Jordan was your friend that lived down the block, you'd probably say, what a jackass. He has to win at everything. Relax, dude. But no, when you are one of the greatest of all time, that's always going to be a badge of honor. So competitive. And I'm not saying anything one way or the other, but that's something that we've seen about Brady. Super competitive. Now, Brady, to me, has always been a guy who, no matter what he does on the field, gets very chill off of it. And we—I remember when he snapped on um, Bill O'Brien when he was offensive coordinator with the Patriots, and Bill O'Brien ripped him a new one. And Brady sat down and shut up. And then after the game, he said, "I was way out of line. Uh, Coach had every reason to rip my head off, and uh, I'm sorry." But like I said, just starting off the show, just bringing it up, national TV. Because what you can say is, what a competitor... I mean, look, Bill Belichick, his coach, he walked off the field before a game was even over. Remember that? It's like they were down by two scores, but as it turned out, oh, there's still time on the clock. You get to run one more play, and he's like, yeah, I'm not interested. There's no way mathematically we can win this game, so bye. So maybe he got a little bit of that from him, <clears throat> but just to say that the country has noticed. And for me, I don't need to rip them on Twitter, but uh, you know, like guys like Shannon Sharp, that's their job now. If they don't rip somebody, they're not gonna stay employed. So, what? I mean, Shannon Sharp was a bit of a uh, character himself, let's just say, <laughs> when he was playing. All right, lines are open, 1-800-878-PLAY. We're talking some sports. I'm Rick Tittle, come on back.
3: thousand dollars or more on at least two federal student loans then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education these programs can reduce your interest lower your payments and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness if you have ten thousand dollars or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school you may qualify for one of these programs
2: Again, that's 800-516-2499. Paid for by Final Expense Direct.
10: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store?
1: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
4: Well, 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 will you look at that? Look at that. Coming up in the next segment, uh, it'll be salesporttalk.com. Yes, that's right. 1-800-878-PLAY. E-L-A-Y, you ain't got no alibi. you ugly, girl, girl, you ugly. All right, <clears throat> we um, we're taking a look at uh, the NFL, however, for a second, and I mes- mentioned Justin Herbert, who could have been the number one overall pick had he come out after his junior year, and his star uh, obviously did not uh, fade. He was still a high pick in the first round, Um But he wasn't number one overall because you had guys like Joe Burrow who had a season unlike almost any other in the history of college football. And you had Tua Tagovailoa coming out. So Joe Burrow was the third guy on the list. And that's something that has made the Chargers very happy. Because when you think about with Joe Burrow out for the season and Tua Tagovailoa getting benched, even though he's still the starter, but he got benched on Sunday... Herbert is now starting to create some significant separation in Offensive Rookie of the Year. He threw three more touchdown passes, and that went over the Jets. And he's now on pace to not just have the all-time record for rookie touchdown passes, he's on pace to shatter it. The record, by the way, is 27 by Baker Mayfield, he wasn't even Offensive Rookie of the Year. Baker Mayfield lost out to Saquon Barkley of the Giants, but Baker Mayfield threw 27 two years ago. Herbert is on pace to throw 37. <laughs> He's going to beat it by 10, because right now he has 22 touchdown passes. That's sixth in the NFL. He's also on pace to break the rookie completion uh, mark, 397. Um, That's held by Carson Wentz, if you want to know why people are still high on Carson Wentz. Um, The passing yardage all-time mark, 4,374. That's Andrew Luck. So even though the Chargers are 3-7, and seven, and actually with Herbert as the starter, they're 2-7. and seven. The first one was Tyrod Taylor that they won. Um, it, it appears that they have found a dynamic quarterback who can lead them into the future. They have found not just a gunslinger, but a really good quarterback who's not intimidated and who has stepped in. Right into the league like a fish to water. So that game against the Jets was his fifth this season with at least three touchdown passes, which is the most by a rookie in the Super Bowl era. Um, and then if you say, well, you know, he's a six foot six, 240 pound guy, he's run for three touchdowns. And that wasn't, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny because. The two best quarterbacks I saw when I was younger, in my opinion, were Ken Stabler and Joe Montana, and as much as I love Stabler, he's my favorite athlete of all time, I put Joe Montana above Ken Stabler, and that hurts to say, but I do. But both those guys looked absolutely ludicrous when they ran the ball. (laughs) Ken Stabler looked like he had flat feet, and he ran one mile per hour, and <clears throat> Joe Montana looked like a gazelle running backwards, which was, you know, they always talked about Joe Montana at Ringgold High School and, and Western PA, and he was a huge basketball star. And Look, he was a great athlete. You don't have to be graceful to be a good athlete. I mean, Terry Steinbach did not look like an athlete. He was a great hockey player, too. By the way, a couple of fan fests ago, <clears throat> when I was still... When we were the uh, A's flagship, um, it was uh, Townie and I, we were at Jack London Square, and so the guys were sitting down with us, and Steinbach sat down with us. And I think he was pretty surprised at some of the memories I had. Because I'm a fan. But anyway, his hands were all torn up, like fingers pointing in every direction, and these huge like sausage fingers. It's almost the exact same thing I'd say about Ray Fossey. Sausage fingers. Kind of weird. 1-800-878-PLAY. Now, quarterbacks are always going to get more love when it comes to like rookie of the year stuff. And it is true, like I said, if Justin Herbert's going to obliterate the rookie record, he should walk away with that. And if the Chargers were winning, he might even get an MVP vote or two. If he throws nearly 40 touchdown passes, but when you look at how heavy this draft was with wide receivers in the first round with Henry Ruggs and C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson and um, Jerry Judy, just so many great wide receivers. Think about the value. You ever notice that some teams, they just always seem to draft somebody who's good. It's like, to me, the Ravens and a defensive guy. And even though they hit it with Lamar Jackson, who I loved, and you listen to the tapes, I loved in the draft, and everyone was like, eh, like, eh. He won the Heisman, and then he went back to school. What's he done lately? (laughs) He's just been fantastic. But anyway, it always seems like, you know, Patrick Queen, whoever they draft is going to be a defensive stud. Excuse me. Um, And it seems like the Steelers. They always seem, you know, here's TJ Watt. And I'm like, how did he end up on the Steelers? You know, Troy Polamalu, oh, they got him. Well, I don't think too many of us were saying when they got Chase Claypool in the second round that it was a steal. We obviously knew about Chase Claypool in the draft. He just was below a lot of those names I just mentioned. Well, all the names I mentioned and a few others. The thing for me about Chase Claypool is now I don't know if anyone agrees with me, but I think the Notre Dame hype actually is a bit of a hindrance because oh he went to Notre Dame, and then you just get pumped up. I remember when I was working in TV, this girl who's Notre Dame fam, she's like, why didn't Tony Rice get drafted? I don't believe it. I said because he's skinny and short. Like, yeah, but he was great at Notre Dame. I go, I know. There's, there are thousands of fantastic college football players, but you know they're not going to do anything in the NFL. I mean, it's great when they prove everybody wrong, but it's the same thing. Rick Meyer, you know, oh, he's a winner. He's a winner. The list goes on and on. If you were the Notre Dame quarterback, tailback, linebacker, whatever, you're going to get more love than anyone. So Chase Claypool, it's like, oh, he went to Notre Dame. Well, let me just tell you something about Chase Claypool, who, by the way, played high school football in Canada. And this is really, it shows you something about Notre Dame's wide web of recruiting that they found him in Canada, or he found them. I just remember going to the Notre Dame game at Stanford about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And Notre Dame brought their own store. They actually took over a cafeteria or something on campus and they had, they drove from South Bend to Palo Alto, huge, huge trucks and these semis. They just unloaded stuff. And there was a line around the block to buy Notre Dame gear, not going on fanatics, just buy it at the game. So we know it's huge. You know, Jimmy Clausen. Oh, he's the most pro ready. I saw him in person that day ago. Talk about a skinny kid with no arm. (laughs) What? Chase Claypool is a touchdown machine in the NFL. He got another one against the Jags on Sunday. The team is 10-0, and he has 10 touchdowns. Eight receiving, two rushing. He is only the fourth wide receiver in the history of the NFL. And actually, what really counts, the first of the Super Bowl era, which is basically my lifetime since the mid-60s, to score 10 touchdowns in 10 touchdowns. Games. And I mean 10 of your first career games. A second-round pick. He is becoming a star. He has twice as many touchdowns as any other player on Pittsburgh's roster. And he is a huge reason why they are undefeated. And he's closing in now on the franchise record for most touchdowns for a rookie. 11 He's won away, and that was with Franco, run out of bounds, don't take the hit, Harris, in 1972. You always wonder, if Franco Harris played now, would people respect his game more? Because Franco Harris always said, look, it's smart if I don't get tackled. So I will always run out of bounds right before I get tackled. And when he did that in the 70s, the whole country yelled, sissy, pansy, wimp. Now when you look at defensive backs who just, you know, they try to push you to the ground with their shoulder. No one wraps up anymore. I bet you if Franco Harris played now, no one would yell sissy. Plus, we don't tease people as much as we used to in the 70s. All right, we'll take a quick break. It is Tuesday. It's the first hour. We'll talk a little sailing. Sail, sport, talk, dot, com. Come on back.
11: This is Karen Lyle and Christopher Kane of Salesport Talk, and we are continuing a conversation with Trevor Danielson. Trevor is one of the younger members of the New York Yacht Club American Magic Team. He is hoping to do his part on the production side to help the American Magic Team bring home the America's Cup trophy to the New York Yacht Club in March 2021. Let's listen into the conversation. So, you're a sailor tell
12: us about your sailing i haven't said so just just since being with the team i haven't had too much uh, opportunity to do sailing to, to go sailing just because of uh just because of our work schedule but before that i was involved in a lot of super yacht sailing kind of just local sport boat sailing around newport and basically whoever would give me a ride i would go sailing with basically i've been uh, i've sailed on many many different boats of many different uh classes and builds and basically whoever whoever will give me a shot i'll go sailing with how much of a feedback loop is there where you know the sailors will come off and go hey you know i don't know what you guys changed yesterday but but this feels off how how much feedback do you get from the guys when they come off the water i personally am not too heavily involved with it but i know there's there's meetings every day after sailing with the with the designers, with the sail makers, um, and with the trimmers and all that. So there is there is a pretty constant feedback loop and it happens during the day on the water as well.
11: What type of tools do you use in your work? Do you have hands on with anything that you're doing? Is it mostly computer or device? What assists you in your job?
12: Uh, it's, it's a combination of everything. I mean, I've you use everything from your standard screwdrivers all the way up to forklifts, scissor lifts, uh, Hammer drills, I don't know, whatever. Basically, you name it, I'm sure it gets used.
6: Up to the lifting crane.
12: Yep, exactly, exactly. Even throw the chainsaw in there.
6: <laughs> Hopefully, that doesn't get used.
11: Yeah. Right, right. So, do you get to hear stories, or sit sit and hang out, or is it work work all the time?
12: Oh no, we we, we find time to uh, to uh, shoot the breeze a little bit for sure. It's uh, there's always there's always a little bit of time for that.
11: And what about your favorite drink? the thing that you really enjoy when you're when you've got some time to shoot the breeze
12: oh uh that's a nice cold beer it's got to be got to be um yeah so definitely definitely nice to sit down and have a cold beer after work for sure i think we'll have a couple today it's a friday down here so i'm sure i'm sure that's in the cards
11: well thank you so much for coming and speaking with us on the show and this is karen lyle with Salesforce talk Trevor, thank you so much.
12: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. Hey, Sports Sport Talk. This is Terry Hutchinson from the New York Dot Club of American
4: Magic. Appreciate all the support that you're giving to our team in our pursuit of the 36th America Cup. for that, Christopher Cross. And that means it's time for SalesportTalk.com. And uh, we do that in the first hour on Tuesdays with our co-host, Karen Lyle. And Karen, we got a little different spin today, don't we?
11: We do. You remember that we had Alana Connor from New Zealand on the show about, I think it was about eight weeks ago. You remember that? Yes, of course. Of course. And... Um, Patty Mangan was the person who got us in contact with Ilana and she has been following her figure-eight voyage. She's also the incoming Commodore for the Pacific Inner Club Yachting Association, and I thought that she should guest co-host with you today.
4: All right, and Patty, you're in our studio, right? Is it a bouillabaisse of COVID germs in there? Are you all right?
13: No, it's sad. There's empty parking everywhere. The, the halls are empty. Uh, it's a little ghostly. Good morning. All right.
4: Our guest is Alana Carter calling in from New Zealand, and um, Alana is here to uh, talk about her solo sailing a, a figure eight for um, a good cause. Alana, welcome back to the show. You're, you're raising money. What's going on?
14: Thank you so much for having me, and good morning. Um, I'm raising money right now for a, a New Zealand-based uh, national advocacy charity for youth in foster care called Voice Fokorongomai, and we're partnered also with the Spirit of Adventure Trust. They run this tall ship in New Zealand that's totally iconic called the Spirit of New Zealand. They take young people out on youth development voyages. And so I'm raising money uh, for Voice Mai to develop a new scholarship so that young people in care can go on the Spirit of New Zealand tall ship and have a fully paid 10-day voyage that hopefully will really change the course of their lives.
13: You're now in Picton um, after having come through the Cook Strait. You want to tell us about the uh, perils of the Cook Strait?
14: <laughs> <laughs> um, thankfully, it was over quickly. <laughs> That's the thing I'm most uh, most pleased about with the Cook Strait. Um, so it's a pretty notorious stretch of water for being uh, quite, quite choppy, and if you get wind on tide conditions, really dangerous. Um, the winds are just so amplified there because of the hilliness of Wellington, which is similar kind of to San Francisco in terms of how, how hilly it is. Um, and so I came around the corner, Cape Palliser from the North Island and through, uh, through the Cook Strait, sort of up the coastline to Wellington. And there was almost no wind and I was actually videoing my wind instrument at the time and it went from five knots to 20 knots in like three minutes Um, so we just got slammed and then crossed the cook Strait. but i was really glad you know there's always that moment when you're out there sailing where you're thinking i should really put up more canvas you know i'm barely moving at all and i had I had my main on the second reef and a really big reef tucked into my furling jib as well and thought, oh, I'm just going so slow. I wish I could put out more canvas. And then as soon as we got hit by that wind, I was really, really glad that we'd reefed early because we were in sustained winds over 25 knots for the whole passage across in a little boat. That's quite a lot. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm glad it's over.
4: <laughs> yeah, you keep saying we and you think, I thought she was solo. You say we because your dog Zia is <laughs> with you, right?
14: I say we because my dog Zia is with me. Um, but also, I think when you travel more than 10,000 nautical miles around the Pacific alone with your boat and your dog, you kind of end up being the sort of royal we. So I always think of Windful of my <laughs> boat also as a part of that we. Uh, but thankfully, yes, I do have my dog with me. And she's a total trooper. She's just been sleeping through most of the coastal sailing. Um, When dolphins come, actually, sometimes I don't even notice them, but she's barked at me to let me know that there are dolphins nearby. So most of the time, she's she's really happy and pretty chill, uh, loves sea creatures, loved a fish that we landed. we caught a kahawai between Gisborne and Napier just a few weeks ago as we were coming down the east coast of the North Island, and that's always a big day for Zia. Um, but she was she was not particularly pleased by the Cook Strait, um, but really happy when we got into the Marble Sounds and everything mellowed out and it was sunny and she could be back up on deck again. So
13: Now, I think it's important for the listeners to understand a figure eight. Um, you are <clears throat> circumnavigating the north and south island but you're crossing in between and uh the longest and hardest part is ahead of you and why did you choose to go down the east side and cross over to the west versus uh the other way
14: yeah yeah um you're so insightful and spot on there um It is quite challenging to cross twice in the middle of our figure eight through the Cook Strait, but actually um, as notorious as that body of water is, the bit that's even more challenging is coming down the west coast of the South Island, just because of the way that systems rip across the Tasman from Australia to New Zealand. So... um, I'll be going down the west coast of the South Island. And I've been looking at that um, over the last week, just preparing and watching for for what's happening with the systems there. And it will take me about three days to go from Nelson down to Milford Sound, uh, which is quite a ways down on the um, west coast of the South Island. And um, unfortunately, it just doesn't look like there will ever be a three-day stretch. So I'm probably about halfway through that going to get slammed with headwinds um, and just try to hold my hold my position and not lose ground, um, until it passes and I can keep, keep going. So, um, there's, there's that just natural cycle of storms passing across. But then also when you reach Fjordland, Milford Sound is the first of the many fjords in Fjordland that I can go into. Um, once you're inside of those, those fjords, um, There are katabatic winds that kind of whistle down from the high mountains and cold glaciers up there at the top. So you can come in and and, um, you'll immediately actually be in headwinds inside of the sounds. And the wind conditions can be dramatically higher even than off the coast, which is already relatively treacherous. (laughs) So... (laughs) it's going to be pretty intense i'm a bit nervous about it um yeah. nobody likes to pick up a mooring and more than 20 knots of wind and i'm pretty nervous i'll enter one of the fjords with only you know moorings to choose from and um in such deep water and i'll be trying to pick up a mooring and you know 45 knots of wind not looking forward to that but fingers crossed i have good conditions and I don't do too much of that. And then when I get to the south end of the South Island, obviously I'm sort of poking my nose into the Southern Ocean there. So it's best to go west to east. And And I planned the entire figure eight around that so that I would be with the prevailing wind and currents in those um, most difficult conditions down there.
4: Rick Tittle and Patty Mangan with Alana Connor, who's done three solo sailing rides. This might be a dumb question, but every Every picture I see of you, you have these this fantastic flowing locks, great hair, <laughs> but it always seems that the wind's blowing it everywhere. And I would think that your hair would bug you on the boat, that it would always be in your face or getting tied up in the sails or something. But it, it, I guess it doesn't bother you. You like having the fantastic hair, huh?
14: <laughs> I mean – um, I have given up so many luxuries on the boat, so I don't have running hot water. I don't have a fridge or a freezer. Um, obviously can't use a blow dryer, or anything like that. So, uh, my life is pretty simple these days. And I feel like that's kind of my one sort of, um, shred of civilization that I'm hanging to <laughs> is, uh, my long hair. And, and frankly, um, if Pip can do it, so can I, I'm following Pip quite closely with Medallia and she still, she still has enough hair. She has to tie it up. So, um, so I feel like I get to keep mine for now.
13: (laughs) Um, yeah, you gotta look good coming into port. Um, (laughs) so I've been in the Milford Sound myself and, um, I was thinking about it, Ilana. I've traveled uh, New Zealand a couple of times and I've seen the I've gone in the helicopter rides, I've gone on the rifter, river rafting, horsebacking, the, the whole nine yards. And your experience will be so different from a majority of people who travel to New Zealand. I mean, it, there's no comparison. And you, too, will not see Queenstown, and I don't think, uh, unless you go all the way into Queenstown there, and, uh, and so much of the um, countryside. Is this your first time to New Zealand, and will it be from a um scenic perspective
14: yeah it is my first time to new zealand and somewhere i've looked forward to going for a long time so obviously choosing to see it by figure eight under sale and with a bit of a schedule means that i'm missing out on a lot of seeing what what new zealand has to offer inland and i'm a bit sad to miss all of that um, I'm hoping that I'll get a chance to come back around. In fact, every port that I've stopped at so far, I've made some really wonderful connections with the people. And when I'm leaving, everyone says, okay, when your figure eight's over, you're going to have to come back. <laughs> so I just, I, I'm starting to realize I might have to do a second figure eight just to come back and see everyone <laughs> but um you know i will say that even though i'm missing out on things like queenstown and and some beautiful places i'd love to spend a little bit longer in the marble sounds for one um i'm meeting so many interesting people that i feel like i'm seeing this other side of new zealand that a tourist doesn't normally get to see so as i sail my figure eight i'm actually stopping and speaking with any young people that um are interested in And chatting with me and I'm welcoming them aboard my yacht as well. I've done a number of, um, I call them open boats to the community. So I'll just set a time and maybe go on the local radio or chat with a local newspaper reporter and let them know, okay, on Sunday for a couple hours, my boat will be open. You can come down and just see the inside of a little blue water cruising boat. And people come down with their little kids and they get to crawl all over, jump into the V-berth and climb out of the forehatch. So it's just been so neat to have all these conversations with people from all different walks of lives, especially the young people that I've met along the way who are in care or have foster care experience, just hearing a bit of their stories and giving them a chance to just see something different and know that um, it's an option for them as well. So while I'm not getting to see all the the really iconic places of New Zealand, I hope that I get a chance to travel back around and see them again. And I'm also glad that I am getting to see this this other side through meeting so many different people here.
4: Last question for you, Alana. As you're raising the uh, the full scholarship money to get on that Spirit of New Zealand, which is about twenty five hundred bucks through Voice Wākorongo Mai. Am I right in assuming that that's the uh, the Maori language there for the uh, indigenous people of New Zealand?
14: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so Wākorongo Mai means listen to me. And because Voice is an advocacy organization, um, they're really focused on making sure that the young person's voice is heard. They have actually a legal right in New Zealand since 2017 to be sure their voice is heard and any decisions made about them. And that's so important. Um, so often kids are are kept from getting to see their siblings, but they don't know why. And they just want somebody to hear them say, I really want to see my brother or my sister. So Voice was founded to make sure their voices are heard. Um, and it's been really neat to learn little bits and pieces of the Maori language as I travel around and even get to visit some of the Polynesian voyaging wakas and hear about traditional voyaging and navigation while I've been here. So um, the exposure to the indigenous language and culture has been a a really incredible experience for me, especially as a sailor.
4: That's Alana Connor, one of the best solo sailors on the face of the earth and uh, doing great (laughs) work helping people. Alana... Always a pleasure having you on. You're always a joy. Continued sailing safely, and we'll see you back home.
14: Thank you so much. I really
13: appreciate it. Thanks for having me today.
4: Sure. And Patty, thanks for uh, stepping in and pinch hitting with your uh, insights today. Appreciate it.
13: You bet. I'm going to call Nelson Yacht Club and tell her Ilana's on the way.
4: Very good. And Karen Lyle, it's good talking to you as well. We'll see you next week, kiddo.
13: We'll see you then, Rick.
4: Have a great
13: week. Bye-bye. All
4: right, there it is. Rick Tittle with you, and we'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports (laughs) Bilat.
19: Visit
0: underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
19: Oh, come now, don't be ashamed. <laughs> we all have our idiosyncrasies.
18: wish you
17: would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
4: Oh, and we still have another two hours to go. Rob Paulson on the other side of the uh, news. Uh, the man of a thousand voices, Animaniacs. And Bill Madden, the baseball writer, with a new book on Tom Seaver. called Tom Seaver, A Terrific Life. Get it like Tom Terrific? All right, everyone. Listen, Thanksgiving is in a couple days. And we're not going to be gathering like we used to. If you are gathering uh, with tons and tons of people from separate households, uh, it's probably not wise. Eh, I'm not saying that. It's the scientists that are saying it. Uh, Do what you want, but it's pretty stupid. But there's one thing that's also kind of dumb, and we're all victim to it, even if we're by ourselves on Thanksgiving, (laughs) and that is we can overeat. We can overindulge. We get stuffed. We commit the sin of gluttony. But whether it's Thanksgiving, any type, of uh, time you're going to indulge in your comfort food, whatever the occasion is, just getting stuff, it leaves you with an upset stomach or nausea. And that's why I'm here to tell you that you need to get Nazine, N-A-U-Z-E-N-E, Nazine for upset stomach and nausea. It's a four minute formula, 42 chewable tablets, unless you're at Dollar General, you can get the uh, 10 pack there. But it is wild cherry flavor, it's quick dissolving, chewable tablets, It gets rid of your uh, upset stomach and nausea. It's a four-minute formula that relieves stomach discomfort from that overindulging. And the great thing is it's non-drowsy. There's no aspirin or other salicylates, no chalky medicinal flavor or bitter aftertaste, and no caffeine or antihistamines as well. So available in the digestive section at most leading retailers. Nauseen for sure is where you gotta go. All right, as I said, we got a little hard news break. We still have another two hours, got a couple of guests, but a lot of open lines, a lot of time for that, at 1-800-878-PLAY. You got a tweet? Get me at Rick Tittle. Come on back.
5: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
20: General Motors announced Monday it will recall about 7 million big pickup trucks and SUVs worldwide to replace potentially dangerous Takata airbag inflators. GM says it will not fight the recall, even though it believes the vehicles are safe. It will cost the company about $1.2 billion. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the inflators still run the risk of exploding, sending shrapnel into the passengers. The company has 30 days to share their plans on the recall with the government officials. David
16: Dinkins, New York City's
20: first black mayor, has died at the age of 93.
16: He said was that uh, I deserve credit for the reduction of crime through our Safe Streets, Safe City program. He's a candidate, and he's going to say what he thinks he needs to say in order to achieve success.
20: Mr. Dinkins' death is less than two months after Mr. Dinkins' wife, Joyce, died. USA Radio News.
5: President Trump has exposed the big media. Phony polls, voter fraud, fake news, and everyone is turning away from Fox News. If you're tired of Fox, you can now watch Newsmax TV. President Trump is tweeting about Newsmax all the time. Millions are tuning in, and Newsmax is breaking records. Watch Newsmax TV every night for Greg Kelly, Sean Spicer, Chris Salcedo, and more. Plus, get the latest from Dick Morris, Rudy Giuliani, Michelle Malkin, Alan Dershowitz, Diamond and Silk, and Mike Huckabee. President Trump says he watches Newsmax and likes it. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Check your cable guide. Also get Newsmax TV for free on Roku, Zumo, YouTube, Pluto, Apple TV, and even smart TVs like Samsung Plus and LG. Download the free Newsmax TV app on your iPhone or Android and watch us anytime, anywhere. Newsmax is real news for real people.
20: President-elect Joe Biden on Monday appointed John Kerry as his special presidential envoy for climate. Kerry, who was President Barack Obama's secretary of state, will be a cabinet-level official in Biden's administration and will sit on the National Security Council. The General Services Administration, an agency created to help manage presidential power transitions, will brief the leaders of four House committees about the presidential transition next Monday. The NFL is ready to throw flags on members not following COVID-19 protocols. USA Radio News, Dan Naraki.
21: The NFL is tightening its restrictions for mask usage on the sidelines and says it will start disciplining players and teams who don't follow their updated COVID protocols. The league outlined the new mandates in a memo to its teams on Monday declaring that players must wear masks on the sideline unless they're getting ready to enter the game. The league is also reducing the number of players allowed to travel to a game and teams will have to limit access to their facilities as well. Starting next week, only players and essential support Personnel will be allowed to access the team's facilities. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. USA Radio News.
20: The Trump administration was handed setbacks Monday in the Pennsylvania vote count certification. USA Radio News' Dan Araki has the details.
21: The Pennsylvania Supreme Court rejected five lawsuits Monday from the Trump campaign that challenged the legality of about 8,000 votes in one county. The suits had challenged whether absentee ballots that were missing handwritten names, addresses, or dates on the outer envelope should have been counted. The justices wrote in their decision that they did not believe those issues were enough to invalidate the ballots. Despite the setback, the Trump campaign still believes they have a legal path to victory. Senior campaign adviser Steve Cortez laid out the case that the Trump legal team will continue to make. He told Newsmax TV they intend to show that President Trump won the legal vote.
16: We
22: make a compelling case that the president won the legal vote on November 3rd. The statistical case is compelling. The evidence of fraud grows every day with sworn affidavits, not conjecture or conspiracy, and it is incumbent upon our campaign to pursue to the last every legal means to continue to contest what we think is so far a marred
21: election result return. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki.
20: The General Services Administration formally recognized President-elect Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 presidential election on Monday. Monday Night Football had the L.A. Rams traveling to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' home of Raymond James Stadium. Ray J., as the locals call it, had about 15,000 people in attendance. The Rams won the game 27-24. For USA Radio News, I'm Lance Pry.
2: We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt, call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt. It's great advice. Plus, when you make this free call now, we have Debt Destroyer experts ready to help. They can show you how to destroy your debt and get your life back on track. That's 877-360-0402.
22: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
18: I
3: hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch. (laughs)
4: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Rob Paulson, Great Dane-ish American voiceover master, Animaniacs on Hulu, that's what we're going to talk about, but uh, been in studio twice, and uh, i got to say, i got to hand it to Rob, He was kind of the reason I went on a diet and lost all the weight I have, because the last time he was in, I took a picture with him, and he's such a little guy, skinny, I looked like I was... Andre the Giant. Anyway, I was just looking through some uh, pictures from last year when I was in Europe. October 1st, when I was at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to see the Champions League game between Spurs and uh, Bayern Munich. Didn't end well. let say, losing 7-2. I saw Sonny and Harry Kane get goals. That was nice. Anyway, I took a picture of the uh, food menu at the tap-in. How about that a tap-in is the easy goal at the tap in uh, bar at the stadium and the the beer was neck oil gamma ray amstel bulmers guinness or wine the food you had six things you could choose from at this bar chicken tikka pie spurs signature pie veggie pie sausage rolls Crisps, or potato chips, or sweet bags. <laughs> that's the main reason that I took the picture. What the hell is, what the hell are sweet bags? I know what they call candy are sweets. It just says sweet bags. It's like, man, that girl's got some sweet bags. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds like something naughty. And if you're wondering about pie, chicken tikka pies, brisket pie, veggie pie, That is a soccer tradition, and it's just a little handheld, what we would call like a chicken pot pie. It's a little handheld pie, and inside is usually meat in it. And it sounds super gross, unless you compare it to like an empanada, because I love empanadas. Those pies are downright scary. Plus, as Greg Krupp says, there's a flavor embargo at the English Channel where everything has to be boiled. I'm Rick Tittle, come on back.
16: The number one gift in this stressful year, relaxation from Homedics. Soothing stress for over 35 years, Homedics is the top home massage products brand with gifts for every aching muscle on your list with free shipping on orders over $50. Holiday supplies won't last, so avoid the rush while you can at HOMEDICS.com. Get the perfectly relaxing, perfectly affordable gift now at homedics.com and major retailers everywhere.
2: 485 6003 800 That's eight hundred-four eight five six zero zero three.
4: Check me out, Rick Tittle, with you, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's always great when we get the great Rob Paulson uh, on our show. He's been in studio with us before, and um, he is here to talk about uh, his new book, and also that his great show, Animaniacs, is now finally on Hulu, so we can check that out as well. And, uh, Rob, I believe you were in right before... The pandemic when we actually could shake hands and be within two feet of each other how have you been these last nine months <laughs> that's my favorite thing in the world are you rob are you there i am hi rick hi did you hear my intro
22: i didn't i'm sorry i i was apparently i'm i'm Right now in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, I didn't even know it. So <laughs> I, I, all I can tell, listen, I know I know you. You've been so very kind to me. So unless I've done something to offend you deeply in the last year, it was probably a very lovely thing. And all I got to say is thank you very much, Rick. You've made me feel like a rock star.
4: No doubt about it. Yes. Fellow Danish American. No, I was just saying the last time I saw you, I believe, was right before the pandemic. So how have you been holding up these nine months or so?
22: God almighty. You know what? Um, I am living a dream, pal. The cool thing about my gig, as you know, I don't know if you're in the studio working from home, but um, with this incredible technology, I'm able to work from uh, what I call here at home, uh, Pillow fort Studios, because I, uh, I'm good at my job. You know, I put in my 10,000 hours, but <laughs> for all the work I've done with microphones and technology, I am an absolute neophyte when it comes to this stuff. So I'd take a bunch of pillows, shove a decent mic in the middle of it, and put a blanket over my head, and apparently it's broadcast quality, so I can make a living. And um, I'm still talking like a stupid lad mouth should should be working for a living,
11: and I can eat my Ebliskeva at the same time.
4: Well, Animaniacs on Hulu, and people might think, oh, that's great, you know, I've seen but but these are new?
22: Yep. Um, 26 of them, 13 of which dropped Friday. Brand new with uh, the king of Hollywood, Mr. Spielberg, again, with a 40-piece orchestra for every half hour, again. Brand new songs in the vein of the
19: United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama,
22: Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, again.
19: And my friend, The Brain and me,
22: taking over the world. Um, but, of course, if we succeed, we have no shows, So we're going to keep trying it. It's pretty cool. <laughs>
4: Well, when you say Spielberg, I mean, how much is, how much is he, because, uh, you know, I always, I always like to think that, you know, he's like standing there while you're voicing everything. I know right. that's not it, but he is involved, right. isn't he? Oh, totally.
22: Um, from the beginning, in fact, Mr. Spielberg uh, passed us, approved the writing staff, approved every script um, 20-odd years ago, and we did this for the first go-round, and this time bless his heart is what is 73 now um he gets together with sam register the president of Wonder Brothers animation a few years ago because i think we're, we should do this again people really dig this show but the, the folks who were kids now are parents it's doing really well on um, you know this new technology at that time it was on netflix um let's pitch this and by the way if we pitch it and we sell it it's going to be with Rob Paulson, Trust McNeil, Jess Harnell, and Maurice LaMarche. That's a big deal, um, Rick, for a journeyman actor like myself, uh, for a, a, a fellow like Mr. Spielberg to say, hey, you want to do this again? And it's not about hiring Liam Neeson to be the brain. It's about the authenticity of the characters. And, um, man, what an incredible privilege. And the, the perfect, our timing could not be more serendipitous turns out that 2020 you referenced it has dumped this giant you know what pile of stinky lemonades on the whole world and while we're not going to change it what a privileged position to be in um to bring a little bit of joy and make a pile of Acme lemonade for everybody so pretty cool
4: no and i would only imagine that spielberg would do something like that just knowing his credibility yeah. it's like it's like the guy trying to be the fake Mel Blanc. It just, you know, he's close, but it just it, it doesn't work. Totally. So That's exactly For you right.
22: and and and, and probably yeah. and you're 100% correct. Um he is totally hands-on. He um put the kibosh on scripts that yeah, I'm not so sure rewrite it. Every single script. Made sure that, you know, he had a hand at hiring a new showrunner, approved everything and is very hands-on. And and a little bit inside baseball, Mr. Spielberg, when the show was being pitched, he went to every pitch um, himself uh, in addition to, you know, his staff. But he made a point to go to every pitch himself to show that I'm in and um, who wants to, who wants to do it? Hulu bit. And we're very grateful they did. It's turned out really well.
4: That's great. And also, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but you know, people who have had health challenges, like you have um how has it been for you trying to stay safe as we all mask up and try to because you know we worry about national treasures like you that i mean are you okay Uh, health wise right now my man
22: well i'll tell you what uh, you just gave me a shot of love my friend how can i not do that um you know love is the drug as they say i i am i am doing well i'm going to die someday but not from throat cancer uh that was very kind of you to bring it up And uh, I am, as you know, from having, uh, I have had a great good fortune speaking with you before, I relish these opportunities to discuss my cancer. Um, I think because it was throat cancer, it has presented me with far more than a silver lining, Rick. It's a platinum lining. Um, We never know when someone is going to be listening to your show, which millions of folks listen to, and to the extent that. The fact that their words, the voice of their childhood, had throat cancer a few years ago, got over it, and no one who's watching or listening is any the wiser that Yakko or Pinky or Doctor Scratch and Sniff, in this particular instance, that that actor had throat cancer. Who knows when they're going to call their dad, their uncle, their brother, and say, or their mom? You know, it doesn't. It's it's a ubiquitous, sadly, form of cancer. Hey, you guys, check this out. This guy who's doing this again, listen to him singing. He had the same thing that you were just diagnosed with a few years ago. The treatment's going to kick your ass, but you're going to be okay. It puts me in a really unique position, um, specifically because I had throat cancer. So thank you for bringing it up. I am fine. And, um, man, the, uh, the incredible amount of joy that I get to be part of again um, is directly... Uh, um, critical, I think, or integral to my story. So uh, thank you for letting me share. it.
4: No doubt about it. And before we let you go, um, we uh, before we let you go, we have to hear about your new book. What's this all about, Rob?
22: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I did a book called Voice Lessons. Surprise! Excellent title, don't you think? I was going to call it The Brothers Karamazov, but I thought it was too. Epic. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, and it's not. Uh, for your audience to the extent that they're interested in listening, you know, or reading, either listening on Audible in which Carl Weezer and Yakko and Pinky and Raphael and Donatello and they all show up. Um, but it's not a compendium of and then I did and then I did and then I won and then I got a Peabody, all of that. Um, it is precisely because of my throat cancer that the book was written uh, to um, to show how deeply people connect with these characters that ultimately helped me deal with my own time in the cancer cage, um, because I learned that courage, humor, empathy, um, strength, like love, come from the most unexpected places, Rick. Um, I think we all know that, but it turns out that these characters have brought so much joy and literal strength to millions. And frankly, I did not know that because I'm not recognizable. But once I got cancer, I had so many people, often whose children had passed away, who would remind me of the power of these characters because their sweet girl or boy had gotten to talk to Raphael or Pinky or whatever. And it's not just me. We all do it. But that's what the book is about. Um, it, is, uh, it don't sell joy and love and laughter short wherever it comes from. It's, it's powerful medicine.
4: Well, oh, great stuff. Once again, the memoir of voice lessons and uh, Animaniacs, 22 years after its final episode. It just came back on Friday. Remember to check it out on Hulu from Amblin Television and Warner Brothers Animation. We have been speaking to Pinky, Raphael, Donatello, Carl Weezer, all those characters. The great Rob Paulson, still going strong. New content now on Hulu. Rob, thanks a lot for coming on, my man. And hopefully, when this all gets what? over, we'll, we'll check you out in the studio again.
22: My great pleasure, um, sir. It's always uh, always a privilege, and thank you once again for lowering your journalistic standards for an old man. I it. <laughs> I've
4: never, I take don't think care, anybody's ever even called me a journalist before, so I, I'll take that, too. Thanks, Rob. All
23: right. Bye-bye.
4: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. Open lines. The Come join the Warner
7: Brothers. And we run around the Warner
19: Movie Lot. They lock us in the tower whenever we get caught. But we break loose and they're loose, the and
3: now you know the plot. We're an anime, yes. Dog is cute and yak go, yes. Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans?
19: But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
2: That's 800-403-5912. Wait! She must have met 10 o'clock at night. Do you think? Why would she have you meet her in a
5: bar at
16: 10 in the morning?
5: I just figured she was a raging alcoholic.
23: ¶¶
7: I wish you
17: would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
4: Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. I was just looking at CBSports.com here in the break, see if there's any late breaking news. And they're just, they've been pushing the Champions League this year as a top headline. And it's because CBS Sports required the rights to it, and you have to get it on the CBS All Access app, which is another frickin' six ninety nine dollars a month, whatever I'm paying for that, and Bleacher Report and Peacock and all the other crap I pay for. But um, it's always funny when you can see something that you know. They, they don't want that stuff on their website. This is an American website. They they'd they put it down on the lower left corner, right corner. <laughs> they don't want that to be a top headline on that site. It was like a few years ago. I remember they had the top headlines about the CrossFit Games. You know, Dick Hertz and uh, Mary Jane Rottencrotch are leading the uh, CrossFit Games. Why is this a headline? I'm like, oh, because CBS is showing it. Every once in a while, actually very often, you have to do something that you don't really want to do because of cash. I get it. Right. And whatever, whatever works for you. Now, you got to know your demo. I always like to bring up the old uh, <clears throat> jingles. Because the places that sell auto parts. You know, it's like we, we would like to say for Napa Auto Parts, we'd like to say Napa know how. It's Like, well, who's your demo? Rednecks like, oh. Well, then it's not Napa know-how. It's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Oh. What about AutoZone? How about this? Get into the zone. AutoZone. That's probably better for this. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Oh, okay. What are we going to do with O'Reilly? You know what? Uh, We've thought about it for three months. And we're fresh out. All we would do is just sing the actual word. What do you mean? Just go, oh, 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 O'Reilly, auto parts. Yo, just do that. Somebody got paid for that. (laughs) Somebody got paid for the uh, one chord. We do chicken, right? Blunk. And it works. But you go in and say, I am with Barron's Jewelers. And we just like to say that we're a legacy of elegance. No, you're not a legacy of elegance. Yes, we are. No, you're not. You're a legacy of elegance. Isn't that dumb? But I remember it, right? It's Conklin Brothers. You can count on us. No, you can't. It's Conklin Brothers. You can count on us. Conklin Brothers. You can count on us. It's all in the jingle. All right. By the way, um, Rob Paulson did that uh, book called Voice Lessons jingle lessons is my uh podcast and my book and it's perfect because it's almost time for jingle bells money that's the only other place we use jingle i think well i guess you can jingle some change in your pocket i don't know dominic let me know when we're back from the break this is just a conversation we're having between each other 1-800-878-PLAY speaking of commercials <clears throat> how's that for a uh a segway. Speaking of commercials, I want to let everybody know something. This is the part we'll send the client. I would like everyone to know something. That finally, F-I-N-A-L-L-Y, Church's new chicken sandwich is finally here. I'll spell out here too. H-E-A-R. No, that's wrong. Oh, H-E-R-E. Church's new chicken sandwich is finally here. With almost 70, that's right, even older than your humble host, 70 years in the kitchen, barely, you can bet, barely older than me, well, 15 years, you can bet we put the work in to make it worth it. It's everything you love about churches between two buns. I like that. Sounds expensive, Rick. Guess what? It's not. Get it today for 3.99. 3.99? Are you out of your mind? So thanks for waiting, especially those of you who said I will not try it until the new one's ready, and you waited all 70 years. So for that 85-year-old guy or gal out there, thanks for waiting because churches bringing that down-home flavor. That's right. I'm not physically capable of just saying bring that gonna bring that down home flavor new chicken sandwich 399 nine. All right. every so often we get uh, that's the end of that <laughs> every so often there's some story about a guy who made a bet it's like Ben Dover of Dover Maryland made a bet and he bet two bucks that Garrow youpremian would run for 200 yards in the game and he did on fumbled snaps. And for $3 bet, he won $6.9 million. Those are always <clears throat> kind of fun, right? And you go, wow, that's pretty good foresight to know that. And most of the time, it's just luck. But now it seems to get, we get these stories about guys who got screwed because the guy on the field is trying to just win the game and not trying to win your parlay. Because there was a story today I saw on uh, CBS that a guy had a nine-hit parlay that was going to bring him an obscene amount of money. And he had hit all nine. And he said that it cost him... Oh, wait, it's not obscene. It cost him 7000 Which means he probably bet $5. Bucks. I don't really feel that bad for him. But... He had hit all nine. It was Josh Jacob rushing yards. This was the Raiders Chiefs. Josh Jacob rushing yards. Darren Waller had to have over 52.5 receiving yards. Hit that. Tyreek Hill had to go to 75.5. Hit that. Travis Kelsey had to have 77.5. Hit that. Nelson Aguilar had to have 33.5. Hit that. Travis Kelsey had to score a touchdown. He did. Josh Jacobs had to score a touchdown. He did. He had everything except... He needed Patrick Mahomes to rush for 18 yards. And he had it. But Patrick Mahomes kneeled down to end the game twice. And both times, that cost him (laughs) a yard. So he went. (laughs) He missed it by one yard. I probably shouldn't laugh, but you the last thing, and this is what keeps the credibility of sports and the NFL, the last thing Patrick Mahomes has to think about is some guy hitting his parlay. Now, the one time I think that you could manipulate it is when you see those prop bets in the Super Bowl for color of Gatorade or color of the polo shirt or how long the national anthem is. What if they say the national anthem has to go over two minutes? You could go and make a lot of mini bets all over the place and just tell the singer, like, you know, stretch it out, just cake it, you know, make the beginning two minutes. Oh, say can you see right there? You're halfway home. I remember one time it was the color of the Gatorade. If it was purple, that was like 50 to one because they'd never had purple Gatorade. They make purple Gatorade. Why wouldn't somebody just if you're the guy making it, why don't you just make it purple? Will you be found out by the Federal Bureau of Investigations or maybe it's alcohol, tobacco and firearms, ATF? I don't know. Maybe it's the PTA. They'll find out one way or another. All right. By the way, this is also in my book called How to Throw Away a Live Segment on National Radio. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline.
19: Tittle ate 200
1: chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
4: Back to Fat Boy. Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. Hey, listen, every once in a while, <clears throat> you can have a slow sports day. And I always say, there aren't any slow sports days. There's only slow sports hosts. But, I mean, it's true. There's Sometimes you're, a, a, you know... I always think, like, on a Friday, you can... the whole show just talking about upcoming NFL games if that's what you wanted to do. And then on Monday, you know, I usually spend at least a third of the show talking about the NFL games. You could spend the whole show doing that. But then some days there's not uh, tons. But in America, we have so many sports, there's always something to talk about. But I bring that up because uh, uh, yesterday, SportsCenter, Twitter, SportsCenter, of course, that's ESPN, that has 37.2 million fans Tweeted out, who has the worst fan base in sports? (laughs) It's just, it's a firestorm out of complete thin air, right? Because all you're going to do, I mean, if you just want to drive Twitter traffic, is that such a thing? It'll work. But, you know, it'd be like, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was funny to just pour gasoline on a fire that didn't even exist just to get it going. 1-800-878-PLAY coming up in, uh, well, we don't have a guest until 1140, so there's plenty of time if you'd like to uh, chime in. 1-800-878-7529. Um, <clears throat> wanted to talk a little baseball, and in the next hour, I'm going to get into the way the Hall of Fame is kind of change things around, something to keep in mind. But Robbie Cano, don't you know, uh, got himself into another spot of bother. And if you think about all the things happening off the field this winter concerning Major League Baseball, and as I said, I'll get into the whole Hall of Fame thing in the next hour for the the ballot because it was released earlier this week for 2021. But <clears throat> Robinson Cano has another PED suspension. And he has been suspended uh, for the the upcoming season. It was the drug Stenosanol. And <clears throat> this is, uh, I always think, I always said that's like a Soviet toast. You get your vodka upstairs and all. But because it's his second positive test, he has been suspended the entire 2021 season. How about that? Back in 2018, he was suspended 80 games. And Sandy Alderson, who's team president of the Mets, said, quote, we were extremely disappointed to be informed about Robinson's suspension for violating Major League Baseball's joint drug prevention and treatment program. The violation is very unfortunate for him, the organization, our fans, and the sport. The Mets fully support MLB's efforts toward eliminating performance-enhancing substances from the game. Now, you could make a statement, as I will, that Sandy Alderson presided over a team that kind of invented it, but that means Cano is Really giving up some cash. Now he's rich, but he's 38 years old. And how much longer can you keep playing? His salary this year is $24 million. The Mariners, by the way, are responsible for 3.75 of that salary with the Mets on the hook for the rest. Now, here's the thing about Robbie Cano's contract. He is owed $24 million next year. I don't mean, sorry, next year he's out. He's owed $24 million in 2022, and he's owed $24 million in 2023. So he's a guy who they say you can go to spring training with the Mets in 2022. Ouch. But here's the thing about a guy that's signed to play through, he's 40 years old. He was great this year. When has he not been great? You know, for a guy who looks like he moves in slow motion, every ground ball I've ever seen hit to him, he, like, cocks his arm back sideways and is like, oh, I'm throwing it over to first now. And it's just like, oh, there's like there's no sense of urgency to him, but all he does is rake and play great defense. It's weird. It's very weird. But this year he hit 316 with 10 homers in that short season. He's a career 302 hitter. He has 2,624 hits. He has 334 home runs. Now, those numbers, if you are a DH, are good. If you're a second baseman, they're incredible. Second base is not a position of power. Every once in a while, you get a Ryan Sandberg or a Jeff Kent, but second base is not a huge sluggers position. It's usually a guy who's, you know, 59 and has a little teeny glove and is a slick fielder, a little wizard out there and then punching Judy at the plate and will hit six home runs a year. But <clears throat> I bring up Robbie because there's no way he's getting into Cooperstown now. You just you just can't see him getting in with two PED suspensions and before that you would say, look, he was on he was a Yankee That was his best years, and now he's a Met. Two New York teams, that's a guarantee to get in. No. But you could say, in a way, and this isn't the way the Mets wanted it to happen, it's not, but it does clear up a little bit of a logjam because Jeff McNeil's natural position is second base. J.D. Davis will play third base full-time, and that allows them to put Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo in the outfield corners. But here's the thing. The Mariners now don't have to pay for Cano to play for a different team. They get to save their $3.75 million. does not count against the team. And the Mets have $20.25 million burning a hole in their pocket. And that new owner, Steve Cohen, from everything I've seen, people saying this is the ultimate owner. This is the guy you want to have. Well, that's him coming in because he says he just wants to win and he's going to spend, 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 spend. Well, he's got an extra. I mean, that's more than a qualifying offer right there. And I know they tried. Um, they're trying to lock down Stroman to a longer deal. But, I mean, if you want to bring somebody in, who's a free agent? All you got to do is uh, look a little north to the Bronx there. And there's DJ LeMahieu won a batting title, and is a uh, a free agent right now, so you can look that way as well. But the case for Cano, as I said, is a worthy Hall of Famer for his position. Eight All Star games. Let's throw it out then. Uh, five Silver Sluggers, two Gold Gloves. Um, An all-star game MVP, which isn't huge, but it's a nice little thing to have there on your chest when you're lining up your medals. But a primary second baseman. He is top 10 in hits. He's fourth in doubles. He's second all-time in home runs. He's fifth in RBI. Ninth in slugging. And that is, in other words... He's one of the greatest offensive second basemen of all time. If you're looking for a career W.A.R., it's 68.9. The only guy he trails when it comes to that at his position, Rogers Hornsby, Eddie Collins, Napoleon LaJoie, Joe Morgan, Charlie Geringer, and Rod Carew, which is amazing. Now, Cano never won an MVP. He was third once. He was fourth once. He was fifth once. He was sixth once. But, I mean, if you... I mean, even casual fans are very familiar with Robbie Cano, don't you know? Because he was not just one of the best. He was the best second baseman in baseball for a long time. But, remember, the voting doesn't happen from the Hall of Fame. It happens from the Baseball Writers Association of America. They're the ones that vote you in. And keep in mind, as I said, he can go until he's 40, but 376 hits away from 3,000. And the only players with 3,000 hits not in the Hall of Fame are Pete Rose, uh, Albert Pujols, because he's still playing. Adrian Beltre isn't long enough away from uh, making it in. Uh, You have to wait five years. Also, that's the same for Ichiro. But then you get A-Rod and Rafael Palmero. A-Rod's numbers would be a slam dunk. But he's also a repeat offender. And then Palmero, his disaster in front of Congress, he's probably going to be out full time. But the, the number, I think, that doesn't carry the same weight as hits. But Cano is 29 doubles away from 600. Only 17 players in the history of baseball, have 600 doubles. And the only ones not in the Hall of Fame, Rose, Pujols, Beltray, Big Poppy, believe it or not, and Barry Bonds. Probably most of those in his younger days when he was super fast. But Cano has a real shot at 1500-1500. That's 1500 runs and 1500 RBI. Only 38 players in MLB history have gotten there. And zero of those players are not, quote, he's not in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't good enough. It's because they're not eligible yet or they have this sort of suspension hanging over them. But, <clears throat> I mean, I think when you want to look for a precedent here about why he's not going in, look no further than Manny Ramirez. Because Manny Ramirez was objectively one of the best hitters of his entire generation. Manny Ramirez hit 555 home runs. Let me say it again. 555. Career 312. Nearly 1,900 RBI. Two World Series rings. All-time playoff record for home runs. 29. Sorry, right, George Springer. He's so far above everyone else in the Hall of Fame in so many categories. But Manny Ramirez was suspended twice in his career for PEDs. So I, I don't see him getting in through the writers. If he's going to get in, he's going to get in through the Veterans Committee. And it's going to have to be people who love New York baseball. So it was probably a bumpy road to the Hall of Fame because of the first suspension, but it was one he probably would have navigated correctly. I just don't see it. I mean, if Manny Ramirez can't get in, and I know most people think of him as Cleveland and L.A. and stuff, but if he's not getting in, then uh, I wouldn't imagine Robbie would get in. But never put it past New York Riders for putting themselves above and their players above everyone else. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports
2: We offer a complete 100% unconditional client satisfaction guarantee. Make this completely free call and learn how we can help you legally put an end to your timeshare nightmare once and for all. You have nothing to lose, so call right now to qualify and receive a free consultation. 800-880-7167. 880 7167 That's 800-880-7167. Paid for by Airtime Media. That's 800-410-4771. I'm sorry, it's the... it's the pleats. It's, a, it's actually an optical
5: illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. They, it's not fla- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now. Taking them back to the, the pants store.
1: Tittle is a majestic stallion.
4: That and uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Rick Tittle with you. We have another hour together. Bill Madden will be joining us um, coming up at 1140. His new book about Tom Seaver. It's really cool. Notes from uh, college football. The senior bowl is still on for now. January in Mobile, Alabama. There's 50 players that have accepted invitations um, But uh, they said they're going to do it, January 30th kickoff date. And um, apparently, the event will be stripped down to just practices and games. There won't be all the other underwear Olympics and other things. Remember, that's always one that's coached by an NFL coaching staff. And it normally takes place between the conference championship games and being played the weekend before the Super Bowl. So if there's a week 18 or if there's an extra round of playoffs, I don't know what would happen there. But, I mean, hopefully it'll take place. There's less tape. There's less information on players than ever before. So it'll also be the first chance to look at players who opted out who have been invited to the Senior Bowl as well. But we do know that the East-West Shrine Bowl game has been canceled. Other All-Star games are canceled. The Hula Bowl is still on, though, with details hula ball will require people to quarantine 14 days before going to hawaii how about that don't leave your house then you can play in the hula ball when oh a fortnight what do i do during that fortnight you got it play fortnight i'm rick fiddle come on back
5: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
20: General Motors announced Monday it will recall about 7 million big pickup trucks and SUVs worldwide to replace potentially dangerous Takata airbag inflators. GM says it will not fight the recall, even though it believes the vehicles are safe. It will cost the company about $1.2 billion. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the inflators still run the risk of exploding, sending shrapnel into the passengers. The company has 30 days to share their plans on the recall with the government officials. David
16: Dinkins, New York City's
20: first black mayor, has died at the age of 93.
16: He said was that uh, I deserve credit for the reduction of crime through our Safe Streets, Safe City program. He's a candidate, and he's going to say what he thinks he needs to say in order to achieve success.
20: Mr. Dinkins' death is less than two months after Mr. Dinkins' wife, Joyce, died. USA Radio News.
5: President Trump has exposed the big media. Phony polls, voter fraud, fake news, and everyone is turning away from Fox News. If you're tired of Fox, you can now watch Newsmax TV. President Trump is tweeting about Newsmax all the time. Millions are tuning in, and Newsmax is breaking records. Watch Newsmax TV every night for Greg Kelly, Sean Spicer, Chris Salcedo, and more. Plus, get the latest from Dick Morris, Rudy Giuliani, Michelle Malkin, Alan Dershowitz, Diamond and Silk, and Mike Huckabee. President Trump says he watches Newsmax and likes it. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Check your cable guide. Also get Newsmax TV for free on Roku, Zumo, YouTube, Pluto, Apple TV, and even smart TVs like Samsung Plus and LG. Download the free Newsmax TV app on your iPhone or Android and watch us anytime, anywhere. Newsmax is real news for real people.
20: President-elect Joe Biden on Monday appointed John Kerry as his special presidential envoy for climate. Kerry, who was President Barack Obama's secretary of state, will be a cabinet-level official in Biden's administration and will sit on the National Security Council. The General Services Administration, an agency created to help manage presidential power transitions, will brief the leaders of four House committees about the presidential transition next Monday. The NFL is ready to throw flags on members not following COVID-19 protocols. USA Radio News, Dan Naraki.
21: The NFL is tightening its restrictions for mask usage on the sidelines and says it will start disciplining players and teams who don't follow their updated COVID protocols. The league outlined the new mandates in a memo to its teams on Monday, declaring that players must wear masks on the sideline unless they're getting ready to enter the game. The league is also reducing the number of players allowed to travel to a game, and teams will have to limit access to their facilities as well. Starting next week, only players and essential support Personnel will be allowed to access the team's facilities. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. USA Radio News.
20: The Trump administration was handed setbacks Monday in the Pennsylvania vote count certification. USA Radio News' Dan Rocky has the details.
21: The Pennsylvania Supreme Court rejected five lawsuits Monday from the Trump campaign that challenged the legality of about 8,000 votes in one county. The suits had challenged whether absentee ballots that were missing handwritten names, addresses, or dates on the outer envelope should have been counted. The justices wrote in their decision that they did not believe those issues were enough to invalidate the ballots. Despite the setback, the Trump campaign still believes they have a legal path to victory. Senior campaign adviser Steve Cortez laid out the case that the Trump legal team will continue to make. He told Newsmax TV they intend to show that President Trump won the legal vote.
16: We
22: make a compelling case that the president won the legal vote on November 3rd. The statistical case is compelling. The evidence of fraud grows every day with sworn affidavits, not conjecture or conspiracy, and it is incumbent upon our campaign to pursue to the last every legal means to continue to contest what we think is so far a marred
21: election result return. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki.
20: The General Services Administration formally recognized President-elect Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 presidential election on Monday. Monday Night Football had the L.A. Rams traveling to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' home of Raymond James Stadium. Ray J., as the locals call it, had about 15,000 people in attendance. The Rams won the game 27-24. For USA Radio News, I'm Lance Pry.
0: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
1: I'm really worried about him, his addiction. I haven't seen him like this, ever.
0: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options.
1: I just want to tell him it's not your fault.
0: Call Quit Drugs
2: 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
11: Rick
14: Tittle knows his sports.
18: I hate that guy. I love that
3: guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
4: Oh, thank you for that, and welcome to our number three of titillating sports. Echo chamber. Oh, it's gone good. Um, you ever sometimes see something that's so overtly... I don't know if racist is the term, but you kind of feel like it's fake. Just, it can't be real in 2020. I'll tell you what I'm getting at here. And we'll get to some sports in this hour, don't you worry. But, uh, I ordered this jacket from Amazon on October 8th. It said arrived November 20th. I was like, holy hell. I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll wait. And then it said, uh, ship from China. That's all it said. Ship from China. Follow your package on Yun Express. Y-U-N Express. So whenever I would click on it, it would just say, shipped. <laughs> it wasn't like Singapore, Macau, you know, whatever, L.A. It just said, shipped. So I knew this thing would never get here. So November 20th comes, not here. And Amazon's like, yeah, if you don't get it by tomorrow, you can ask for a refund. So I didn't get it. And I said, all right, give me a refund. And they gave me a refund. But then I get this letter. This is the racist part. And it said, we are... Whatever the name of the company, some word, English word that wasn't English, like Le um, We are fancy, happy seller. We make good. We good sellers. Please give us another chance. We good reputation. We make good clothes. Like, this is the most racist attempt at somebody trying to sound Chinese this was from them is this real can't they hire a translator you're making me sound bad all right talk sports stick the sports tootle. all right i'll do that bill madden this hour we got a new book on tom Seaver. come on back
15: Flo here with a word that's just weird. Terry cloth. Who exactly is Terry? And why does he get his own fabric? Did he journey below SPF 50? Fight off some weeds in his daffodils? Hmm. How about a word for everyone? Flotection. Yeah, I just made it up. But I'm not making up how great it feels when me and Progressive protect your new home. Ever think of that, Terry? No. Terry only thinks of himself.
12: Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
9: This is a potter's field. When people can't pay for their funerals, they are buried here. It is a lonely, desolate place, littered with unmarked headstones. No one visits, no one leaves flowers. But it doesn't have to be that way. For as low as $1 a day, you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses.
2: Again, that's 800-516-2499. Paid for by Final Expense Direct. We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt. Call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt. It's great advice. Plus, when you make this free call now, we have Debt Destroyer experts ready to help. They can show you how to destroy your debt and get your life back on track. Debt problems don't have to be overwhelming. You can live stress-free and debt-free. Credit cards, medical bills, IRS tax problems, even student loan debt.
16: It's time to play Vomit or No Vomit Brought to you
5: by Nazine. Let's jump right in. Imagine the night before Thanksgiving you partied too
6: hard. Now you're suffering through Turkey Day. Try not to Ralph on Uncle Ralph. Bob, do you A. vomit? B. guzzle the pink stuff? C. take fast acting nausea? Um, take nausea? Nazine?
5: Correct. Nausea's four minute formula quickly relieves stomach discomfort from overindulging
6: in food or drink. Get fast acting nausea now. Available in stores everywhere. Use only as directed.
4: Oh, what's the world coming to? You know, I heard there was an in and out that opened in Aurora, Colorado, and there was a 14 hour wait. You heard correctly, a 14 hour wait and that people got into brawls. And like people were tweeting, we've got, uh, you know, the whole family in the car. We're going to watch a couple movies. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? It's a hamburger. All right. Charlie is on the line. He is in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Charlie, when you want a burger in Manhattan, where do you go, man?
24: I'm a vegetarian, Rick. Sorry to say.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good answer. What's uh, up, man?
24: uh, uh, Boca burger (laughs) from the supermarket. Okay. Sure. Um, uh, uh, Anyway, uh, uh, football. And a basketball question, football question. What can you tell us about the infamous Tack McKinley, who the Raiders just picked up, other than him failing two physicals?
4: Well, Tack McKinley um, I rooted for because he uh, he went to Kennedy High in Richmond, where I was supposed to go, where my older brother went. I ended up going to the Catholic school um, in the old uh, – that part of the uh, neighborhood. Um, But then he went to um, UCLA, and uh, I believe he went to Contra Costa College before that, where my brother was a wide receiver. So a lot of, um, you know, local tie-ins. First-round pick at the draft, he had the picture of his his mom there, and he was all emotional and crying, and I was really rooting for him. But he apparently didn't work out in Atlanta, and it's too bad he used social media to kind of cry his way out of town. And you're right, He, the Bengals claimed him, he flunked the physical, the Niners claimed him, he flunked. I was already saying, hey, let's get him back home to the Raiders, even though they're in Vegas now. And, um, you know, look, the all we've seen all year, Charlie, you've watched him is just quarterbacks stand back there forever. So this is his last chance to stay in the league and whatever issue he has, hopefully the Raiders just let him play because... We need someone to get a sack for us, Charlie. Yes, I,
24: I agree. So he, he didn't have like a – so he fell out of – he just didn't want to play in Atlanta anymore. I mean, he didn't – it wasn't from some off-the-field indiscretions or anything. It was just he played himself out of there or just wanted to be out of Atlanta.
4: I don't exactly know what went down um in atlanta because you know he he started off as a rookie and he was i think he had like six sacks he had a good rookie season i don't we probably have to talk to a falcon fan i don't know maybe Stu's listening we'd we'd have to talk to somebody but he did request to get traded so um Maybe it was just coaches and him not getting along, but I didn't hear about anything. I didn't hear about him getting arrested or anything like
24: oh, that. Good. No, I definitely take a flyer. I mean, I, I, you know, as you just said, the Raiders' pass rush is no pass rush. So him and they just picked up Vic Beasley. So listen, they, they, throw it against the wall. If it sticks, we're, we're good to go. I mean, you've got to – And, you I, and gotta, I think
4: also, I forgot to throw in, Raheem Morris, when he took over – He said, I'm going to hold him accountable for those tweets. So I think Raheem Morris had it out for him, just like I'm running this ship now and and no crybabies.
24: So when you fail a physical, though, wouldn't you just assume that he'll fail his third physical if two teams already failed him? Like unless you can alter your requirements.
4: Yeah, it depends how desperate you are. Like in World War Two, guys would try to join the Army Marines and and then the Navy took them. Or vice versa. Oh, it's like, think, eh. yeah, like um, some people they don't want asthma. Some people they don't want a heart murmur. Some people don't want a one leg longer than the other. I mean, it's just everybody has their own thing. Oh, and so, so it's not
24: an official physical. So the Raiders are more desperate. So he'll make the team,
4: clearly. Yes, I think um, I think whatever it was with him, they'll be like, you know, like you know, he has high cholesterol, and they'll say, oh, big deal, we'll take him. We'll let him go. All right,
24: cool. Uh, do I have time for one basketball question?
4: Oh yeah, you got plenty of time.
24: All right, cool, cool. Uh, Warriors. Uh, obviously, we know what the, the Clay situation. They they brought in Ugre for whatever it's worth. I thought it was a good pickup. They picked up Wanamaker, who I know nothing about, <laughs> and then they bring back uh, a lost but not forgotten uh, Kent Bazemore. Uh, as the team is constructed now, and assuming they bring in maybe a, uh, you know, I'm hearing PJ Tucker as a floated name. They lost out on Gasol with the Lakers. Uh, I think they're, you know, looking for some, another backup big man or another wing. Maybe. Um, do you see them? Where, where do you see them? Sort of seated in the West. Obviously, they're not a
4: top three, deep
24: playoff run team. But do you see them as a playoff team as currently constructed?
4: You know, I think if everybody stays healthy, and the fact that they got Ubre, you know, you you look at the seventh and eighth seeds last year. It was Dallas. And it was Portland now Portland had a losing record. So can they be, you know, their big man and their great backcourt up there? I think Dallas is just going to get better. Um, then you'd get into the Utah's and the Oklahoma cities that made it, but you still have to get past teams that didn't make the playoffs like Memphis and San Antonio, you know, is, is, is Phoenix a player and all this, I think if everyone's healthy, warriors can make the playoffs but they're not i don't think they're going to be built to knock off the la teams um right. i think they could i think if everything's perfect they could get by a denver um, but yeah i just uh, without clay it's it's going to be hard
24: yeah and and go, go real quick going forward because obviously expectations change we don't know how clay is going to recover you don't know what kind of what kind of player he'll be in another year, Steph is 34. You know, everyone's older. So Nick, uh, at one point, I was saying, well, maybe you can package next year's pick, Minnesota's pick, uh, because the draft is so deep. Apparently, next year, one of the best in years, they say. I think they hold. They should just hold on to that pick going forward. Keep, you know, try to develop Weissman into whatever he can turn into, and sort of uh, bridge that trend. You know, transition into the next whatever I, I think unfortunately because of Clay's injury just too many question marks. you know draymond Green's body will be one year older. I, I just don't I, I think they should look towards a youth movement now with with these you know they have two potentially two picks next year if they don't you know the top 20 the, the, the Uber Eats pick is, is is a protected top 20 um I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that but, but, but uh, I would I would hold on to Minnesota's pick for sure and see if you know, if it's a well,
4: yeah, I, I hate giving away picks. That's always a little bit hard to do. But there's also, you know, you have the window of you know, the, the, the Warriors are so desperate to get fans in because they lost more games at home than they did on the road. That, that place has been nothing but uh, a pit of depression. I mean, there's there's no vibe. There's no it's nothing like it was at the Coliseum. So, I mean, when you lose more, I know they were the worst team in basketball and they lost 50 games, but they were actually better on the road than they were at home, which is kind of sad. But San Francisco actually wisely is like, not now. We, We can't say we're letting anybody in when the numbers are spiking so horribly. So the Warriors want to make sure that they hit this window, especially with Steph 32 and Draymond 30 and, I don't know. I, I hope Wiseman works out. I mean, if you had told us before the season that we would get the number one prospect, we probably would be pretty ecstatic.
24: Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So yeah we'll, we'll, we'll just keep our fingers
4: crossed.
24: Anyway, Rick, you—I'm not going to be able to call you tomorrow. So you have a happy Thanksgiving, buddy. And I will—I'll um, I'll talk to you next week.
4: You too. Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. Appreciate right. this, Charlie, out there in New York City. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline USA.
23: Oh, yeah. It's the big stuff.
19: Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
7: Business heals all wounds. I mean, look at our relationship with Germany or Japan. Who can even remember what all the fuss was about? <laughs> Kittle,
1: You done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella
4: fine. Girl, you better get your ass in line. Whoop whoop. All right. The ballot for the 2021 Hall of Fame class was revealed this week. And there's not not a lot to talk about in baseball right now outside of Robbie Cano and stuff. So. Just as a reminder on the process, and each year when the BBWAA votes on Hall of Fame class, um, that those that either have been placed on the ballot by the Hall of Fame, which has been chosen um, from a player that had to have um, a minimum of 10 years in the majors, five years retired, or holdovers from the past. And the holdovers, of course, had to receive at least 5% from the previous vote. So there's a very weak class of newcomers. And this, I mean, there's such a thing as the hall of the very good, you'd have a crowded class. But when I say weak newcomers, Tim Hudson, Mark Burley, Ramos Ramirez, Tori Hunter, Shane Victorino, Danny Heron, Barry Zito. Those are some of the good new ones. <laughs> so, look, they were all very productive players. Uh, and if you're a Twins fan, you go, Tory Hunter's first ballot. But, you know, for a lot of years now, people have lamented that the ballot is just too crowded. Well, remember after the empty 2013 class, the Hall of Fame classes since then have led in three, four, two, three, four, four, and two on the last seven voting cycles. And the NFL five minimum is the dumbest rule I've ever heard. So the small hall people, which is me, um, they want to make sure that every single person is fantastically amazing but the way the veterans committee is still swinging away i mean <clears throat> putting in guys like harold baines and that was completely we found out from jerry reinsdorf just leaning on them just leaning on him. so if you think about guys that are still on the ballot that are hanging around like the ped3 i call them barry bonds roger clemens sammy sosa You know, like if you vote for a guy who's hung around like Scott Rowland or Todd Helton or Billy Wagner, you might say, how can you vote for those guys that have been hanging around and not the other ones? But the whole thing about being first ballot. If you're not first ballot, what are you doing on the list? I know my old buddy Michael Urban said that if you vote, if someone gets into the Hall of Fame and you didn't vote for them at all, you should have your ballot taken away. That's his thoughts. But think about a guy like Kurt Schilling. Four years ago, he was at 45%. Next year, 51. 2019, 61%. And this last year, he was at 70%. This is his ninth year on the ballot. So if he doesn't make it, he'll get one more chance. But the last ride for Bonds and Clemens is coming up near as well because... Like Schilling, Bonds and Clemens are on for the ninth time, and it's gone up so slightly. Four years ago, they were at 54 and 53, Clemens and Bonds respectively. The next year, 57 and 56, then 59 and 59, and then this last year, Clemens and Bonds were both at 61%. It's just not going to be enough. Gaining a point every year doesn't really get you in. But you, you look for a momentum from some of these guys, like Omar Vizquel. He's got a shot. He went from 37 to 43 to 53. I mentioned Roland. He's in his fourth year. He went from 10 to 17 to 35. How do you double it? I wonder if Schilling's connections with Trump will hold him back. I mean, people have stupid vendettas like that. Like, well, who'd you vote for? Well, I'm not putting you in then. But Billy Wagner, I don't think things are as optimistic for thing for for him. Um, highest he's got is 31 percent. He has five tries left. But if you think about it, Lee Smith didn't even get in. The Veterans Committee had to put him in. He's one of the greatest closers of all time. Todd Helton, <clears throat> obviously. I mean. Larry Walker suffered from the Coors Field stigma, but Larry Walker also played seven years outside of the Rocks of his 17 years, but held in 17 years all in Colorado. And he went from 16 to 29%, so that was a big jump for him. I mentioned Jeff Kent earlier, one of the best sluggers of all time at his position, but he's on the ballot for the eighth time. But he went from fourteen to eighteen to twenty-seven percent. It's just not enough. You'd need about two hundred more votes for him. Andrew Jones, I mean, come on. Seven percent to twelve to nineteen. Now, Andrew Jones or Andrew Jones, if you like, should not be in the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit went from nine to eleven in his second try. It's marginal. <laughs> Bobby Abreu went from uh, five to 5.5%. He's just hanging around, but that, that PED purgatory, like I said, you know, I mentioned Manny Ramirez earlier. Gary Sheffield is stuck in there. If you thought he was worthy, Manny Ramirez four years in, 26 to 28%. How is he going to get to 75? Sosa was just dead in the water. His first year on the ballot, 12 percent. Next year, 14 percent. He has two tries left. Sheffield made a little bit of a move. He went from 13 to 30. I don't think he can get up to 75 when it comes down to this. But you know the the people who are diehards on these guys, they'll try and trump it up. But it's just it's just not close enough. Now the thing about Kurt Schilling about whether or not, you know, he belongs in the uh, Hall of Fame. If you're a Red Sox fan, you think about the old, you know, catch up on the, the Sox. And that was blood rig. All right, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, when I think of Curt Schilling, I, I think of him as a Philly. Um, you might say, oh, I think of him as, so you might even think of him as a Diamondback. He won the World Series there. I just think of him with the Phils mostly. But, you um, Like I said, he's at 70%, so that's close. That's really close. Speaking of Phillies, by the way, if you think about Schilling, Roland, Abreu, Wagner, Victorino, they're all on the ballot. A.J. Burnett is on the ballot as well. But um, Schilling, some people say, look, he, he finished second with the Cy Young three times, top five, four times. So it's hard to get in without a sigh unless you've done other things. How about Kays? Well, he's 15th all-time in strikeouts. The only guy who has more strikeouts than him that's not in the Hall of Fame is Roger Clemens. In the playoffs, he was mind-boggling. 11-2 with a 2-3-2 in 19 starts. But here's the difference between Clemens and Bonds. Sosa, Schilling has never been linked with PEDs. What he did was he just infuriated people. Remember in Congress, too, he said, Mr. Canseco is a liar. All the things he did. Um, and I remember the first time I saw Kurt Schilling interviewed, he said, um, he talked about his admiration for Dwight D. Eisenhower and what a great general he was. And he said he should be a bigger hero. He goes, I'm such a big history buff. And I thought, oh, wow, Kurt Schilling and I, we have the same interests. We love military history. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and he turned out to be just, uh, kind of an extremist. But like I said, it's a free country. You could, it, it shouldn't matter what you think politically. It shouldn't matter what your religion is. It shouldn't matter if you're straight or gay. It shouldn't matter what ethnic heritage you are. It should only matter what you did on the diamond. If we're really being fair. But I'm telling you, there are people out there that if they don't agree with you politically, they will throw you out. Maybe in the bathwater, the whole thing. Oh, you voted for her. You voted for him. I'll never have anything to do with you. Wow. That's what you're going to judge me on? They say, absolutely. That is what I'm going to judge you on. So if Kurt Schilling... But the good news for Kurt Schilling is that half the country agrees with him politically. So it's not like he's in some sort of fringe where, you know, he's only got, you know, 5% of the country. I just wonder if somebody will see his name on the ballot and say that blowhard, not putting him in. Oh, and he's a blowhard. There's no doubt. All right, we'll continue to talk a little baseball and we'll talk about one of the greatest Hall of Famers of all time, the guy who had the highest winning percentage ever until griff went in and uh that is uh, tom siever we'll talk about him with bill madden who's written a new book come on back
23: like somebody-
8: What's in-store this holiday
18: at
6: your local Staples?
18: Seven days of Black Friday deals on the hottest brands.
6: Kick off your holiday shopping at Staples, where you'll find the best gifts for working or learning from home. Like Apple AirPods, great for video conferences or online classes. And now at Staples, Apple AirPods with wireless charging case are just $119. Shop in-store or pick up curbside. The most wonderful deals of the year are at Staples this holiday.
18: Ends eleven twenty eight in-store only, limit two, while supplies last. Curbside available in most stores.
20: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company,
9: affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. It doesn't really matter.
21: I, uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore.
1: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
4: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Great to welcome back to the show Bill Madden, the longtime sports writer for the New York Daily News. He has a brand new book out today from Simon & Schuster. It's called Tom Seaver, A Terrific Life. Bill, welcome to the show, and um, you're not just uh, a guy who uh, watched— Tom and wrote about him. You guys were actually friends, right? Yes, we did.
10: Uh, our relationship uh, it really started evolving after um, he was left unprotected by the Mets in the 1983 free agent compensation draft. It's a long, it's a long involved story about this draft, but the bottom line was uh, all the all the major league teams had to. List of uh, list of their pl- uh, 15 players that they protected, and the rest of their organization went into this pool for teams to pick out of the pool a player to be com- uh, to be compensated for having lost a free agent. Anyway, the Mets left him unprotected, and I found out about this from somebody working in the commissioner's office, and I was the one that had to call the call receiver to tell him that he'd been left unprotected. And it was probably the biggest story I ever broke for the Daily News, but more importantly, it formed it started a relationship because he no longer looked at me as uh, this was no longer a player writer relationship. I think he looked at me as more than just another sports writer because of this, and um, we became friends through the years. Uh, he called me a few times when he went to Chicago. We talked about his career there, and then actually in 1986. When he pretty much finished up what he was going to do in Chicago, his contract was up at the end of the year, he called me again and he asked me if I could work out something with George Steinbrenner to get him traded to the Yankees. Mm -hmm. So that's the way our relationship became. Uh, And I got involved in that. It turns out he never did get traded to the Yankees. They wound up trading him to Boston. But then we were both, um, I was a connoisseur of wines, fine wines, and of course, that's what it became his second career when he went into the wine business. He moved to California, built his own vineyard out there, and created some really good top-line Cabernet Sauvignon. And I made many, many visits out there, always to get a tutorial on wine from Seaver.
4: Well, it's interesting you bring that up because one of the coolest things I got to do in my career was about 12 years ago. Uh, speaking of his winery there was a fundraiser for the hall of fame at a restaurant in walnut creek california and they asked me to um host it with tom and it was i don't know how much money it was per plate but um basically everyone was having dinner and tom and i stood on the stage and i sort of we stood there and i interviewed him for about a half hour and then he took questions from the crowd but it was just—it uh, a thrill. Um, he was such a, a gentleman and, and a nice guy, and, and he was selling his, his wines. And uh, One of them, he says, you know why I call this uh, GTS? And I'm like, why? He goes, those are my initials. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But anyway, he just was um, you know, just such a, a – and I only spent that one night with him, but he just seemed like a really down-to-earth, really nice guy. Well, he was, uh, without
10: doubt, the smartest, most intelligent player I ever covered. Uh, this is a guy that would sit in front of his locker in the clubhouse, and instead of reading a sports magazine or, or whatever, he'd be doing the New York Times crossword puzzle in ink, by the way.
19: <laughs> um,
10: and uh, I remember one of the guys I, I talk about in the book was Tom Hume, a teammate of his in Cincinnati. And Tom Hume was a local boy from Cincinnati who signed with the Reds, and um, he was really had never been much to travel or anything else like that. And Seaver came over there and took him under his wing. And not only did he teach Tom Hume everything everything he had to know about pitching, but he also used to take him to museums and and uh, and other places. Every time they went into a city, Seaver would have some sort of ad- an agenda. To take Tom Hume on, and Hume told me he says I was, I became Seaver was such a worldly guy, and he brought me into that world, and I forever grateful for having the experience of him being my teammate.
4: You know, and the, the the other thing was too. I remember talking about him is how he ended up with the the Mets because. The, the Dodgers drafted him out of USC and then he asked for what they thought was too much money, which is laughable if they knew what they were going to get. So then he signed with the Braves, but then commissioner Eckert said, well, USC played some exhibition games this year, even though he didn't even pitch in him. So they said, well, he can't have a pro contract. And then the NCAA said, well, now he's ineligible. And so then the Phils, the Indians, whoever could match the rights. And then there was a lottery, and I guess the Mets won that lottery. I mean, it's just, I don't think I've ever heard of that for any player.
10: No, it was a very unique situation uh, that will never happen again, obviously. But that's exactly what happened. Um, the Braves signed him to a contract for approximately $50,000. It included uh, partly finishing uh, his uh, money for to finish school. And um, everything looked great. In fact, he was happy to go to the Braves because Hank Aaron was his, his boyhood idol. He loved Hank Aaron, and he was really looking forward to it. And then all of a sudden, a whistleblower, which I report in the book was was the Dodgers, uh, alerted the commissioner's office to the fact that uh, Seaver had actually played two games on the USC schedule before the draft. Uh, and um, what happened was he didn't know that they were real games. He thought they were exhibition games, but they were part of the regular schedule. So he was declared ineligible to be signed by the Braves, and and the commissioner, Commissioner record, voided the contract. And then he's left in no man's land because he can't go back to USC either because he signed a pro contract and it was a real mess and they couldn't quite figure out what to do about it and Seaver's father, Charlie who was a world class golfer uh, in his day in the 30s and 40s and a a very prominent citizen of Fresno and and really the whole whole country he got really upset about it and he threatened to sue the commissioner if they didn't straighten this thing out and so as you were talking about they came up with this idea that Any teams that wanted to match the Braves' offer of fifty million dollars, fifty thousand (laughs) dollars. This was
23: nineteen sixty-six,
10: not two thousand and sixteen. Anyway, any any uh, team that wanted to match the fifty thousand dollar contract could submit a bid for him, which they would put their you know their bid into a hat, and then the uh, somebody in the commissioner's office picked the winning bid out of the hat out of a hat. And it turns out that the Mets were the winning bid. And Seaver told told the story to me. He was home in Fresno waiting to see what was going to happen here and who he was going to go to. It was the Phillies and the Indians and the Mets. And all of a sudden, you know, it's the Mets. And uh, Seaver tells his parents what's happened here. And his mother, he says, my mother shrieked, oh, no, not the Mets. (laughs) <laughs> the Mets at the time were the worst team in baseball. They had four straight right. horrible seasons, finished last every year. But Seaver was privately very happy with the Mets because he saw this as the best opportunity for him to get to the big leagues in a hurry, and it took him only one year and uh, at A Jacksonville. And the next year after that, he was in the major leagues.
4: It's an incredible story, and you, you think about – if the Dodgers had just paid an extra twenty grand or whatever, he would have pitched with Koufax and Drysdale, and they would have been unstoppable. Um, what did you think, just as someone who's known him so long, when Tom Brady or his camp, anyway, tried to trademark "Tom terrific," and then the United States Patent Office denied the application because it said it made a false suggestion to a connection to Tom Seaver? Were were you happy about that ruling?
10: I think we all were. Uh, uh, That that was not only uh, a situation where Mets fans were outraged. The entire city of New York was outraged because I think they considered Seaver one of their own, whether even if he was a Met. And not only that, but this was another example of New England, Boston, trying to poach something from the Yankees and gaining more revenge for for the trade of Babe Ruth from the Red Sox to the Yankees or the Sailor Babe Ruth, I should say. So, yeah, this was all part of the New England-Boston-New York rivalry, and um, I think all of New York was very pleased at the outcome that, uh, that the uh, powers that be decided. And it also gave me an opportunity to end the book on a happy note, because the last chapter was a—it's a, a very—I admit it, it's a very dark chapter, but I had to write it that way, because, uh, unfortunately— his decline, especially his memory, was a very sad and slow process. And for, for us who were around him to witness it, it was it was very hard on all of us.
4: Yeah. Just a, one more question for you. I have a, a friend, and, and she was a Mets fan, and her favorite player was Tom Seaver. And she said that she became an Ace fan because she refused to ever root for the Mets again after the Midnight Massacre with, with with Don Grant and all that, can you just give a thumbnail for people who don't know what the Midnight Massacre was for the Mets?
10: Yeah, well, this was 1977. It was the year after free agency had come into vogue in baseball, and all these pe- players had, were getting big contracts as free agents. And uh, Seaver did not want to leave the Mets. Uh, he was under contract at the time, and uh, he did not want to leave the Mets. He didn't want to wait to become a free agent. And, um, so, uh, but he did want to get, he, he he did see some of these big contracts coming down and he wanted to get a better deal from the Mets. So he was in a very acrimonious contract dispute with M Donald Grant, who was the Mets chairman of the board and running the team. And Grant was number one, opposed to really giving Seaver a huge raise and number two, He was definitely opposed about bringing in free agents. He was against free agency. He didn't believe in it. And Siever was very critical of Grant and the Mets' stance about trying to improve the team through free agency. And he was also involved in this acrimonious contract dispute with Grant. Grant then solicited Dick Young, who was the uh, sports editor, sports columnist of the Daily News, and probably the most powerful sports columnist in the entire country, He solicited Grant to help him in his campaign against Seaver. And Young launched into a series of columns critical of Seaver, saying he was greedy, saying that uh, he was becoming a cancer on the team, and he was selfish and all this other stuff. And it got really ugly. I had not gotten to the Daily News yet there. I'm glad I wasn't, because Dick Young was later my boss and my mentor. And I wouldn't have wanted to be in the middle of this one, because I, I... Anyway, so the Daily News was under siege from from all the other papers, and really from all of New York, because everybody loved Seaver, and Young became the villain in all this, and Young and Grant both. It finally got resolved, well, it looked like it was going to get resolved when Seaver went over Grant's head and negotiated a two-year contract with Mrs. DeRolle. She was the daughter of Joan Payson, the original owner of the Mets. And he negotiated this two-year deal, and it looked like everything was going to be okay, except that Young wrote one more column that was basically the 33 words, as I wrote in the book, the 33 words that drove Seaver out of town. And those 33 words were essentially that um, Young talked about Nolan Ryan, who had been Seaver's teammate with the Mets and had gone to the Angels and got a big free agent contract. And Young wrote, Nolan Ryan is getting more than Seaver, and that galls Tom because Nancy Seaver and Ruth Ryan are very friendly, and Tom Seaver has long treated Nolan Ryan like a little brother. Well, when Seaver saw that, someone showed him the column. He went ballistic, and he, the Mets were in Atlanta at the time. It was the day day before the trading deadline, uh, June fifteenth, nineteen 1977. Seaver got on the phone and he called Joe McDonald, the general manager of the Mets, and he said, get me out of here. This is the last <laughs> straw. He's brought my family into it, my wife into this.
4: I have had it. I'm out oh of here. Oh, my this. gosh. Bill, I, I, I wish I could hear the rest of this story. i got to go to a break, but let, let's have you on again. Everybody pick up Tom Seaver, A Terrific Life from Simon & Schuster, from Bill Madden, his friend. Bill, thanks for being on the show, man. This is a great book. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Sorry to cut you off there. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. And uh, I wish I had more time. I already went like a minute and a half heavy with Bill, but he was right in the middle of the story. I, I didn't know he was going to, I mean, I did ask him a question, but I didn't know he was going to answer more than three minutes. Um, but he goes, he picked up the phone and he said, yeah, we got to go to a break. Try to let it get them all in. Um, also emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. This one here from Chrissy. It said, Rick, you forgot about Nick Swisher being on the ballot. Nick Swisher was just on my show, what, like three weeks ago? I like Nick Swisher. He's a nice guy. But (laughs) there's no way that he, Nick Swisher himself, he's a good guy. He would laugh at that. He would laugh. But anyway, it's fun to be on the ballot. It's like my friend said, we're in the draft after college football. I go, no, we're not. He goes, well, our eligibility is up. I go, that doesn't mean we're in the draft. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you
7: tomorrow, 9 a.m. Yeah, man, I hope we don't have brain damage. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to end the show.